Sim. Sim. Standing by. Complete. Greetings, heroes of the internet. I'm Travis. And I'm Nathan. And we are the Henshin Men, a podcast that celebrates Japanese superheroes and their high-flying and high-kicking adventures. In this installment, we will be discussing Kamen Rider, episodes 14 and 15. Raid of the Demon Cactogron, Majin Cactogron no Shurai. Takeshi leaves Japan to pursue Shocker plots in other countries. Meanwhile, Cactogron, a cactus monster who is the head of Shocker's Mexican base, is brought to Japan to try to improve its success rate. Elsewhere, Kazuya and Tobei find their investigations into Cactogron's plans interfered with by a mysterious man. Hey, Nathan. Yes, sir. Who's that common rider? Common <laughs> <laughs> rider two, electric boogaloo, or oh, well, meet the new common rider, same as the old common rider. Okay, that doesn't quite work, but <laughs> congratulations! I just connected Pink Floyd to common rider. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. So, so yeah, I was wrong. i should have known better i've seen masked rider the first oh but no it's not taki i don't know why taki is semi-superhuman but i guess he's just cool or he has uh, joining the fbi gives you superpowers or something i don't know makes you a super soldier i don't know but uh taki is not kr2 Nope. He's basically KR2's sidekick. He's like Robin to KR2's Batman. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah, he's kind of a he's kind of you know a friend and and a helper to the new common writer. For sure. It brings he's one well, he had appeared while Hongo was still common writer. But he's basically one of the mostly new cast that we have now because Hongo is basically uh, written out of the show off screen. And so is Ruriko. Yeah. Uh, Takeshi Hongo uh, had to return to his home planet. <laughs> Poochie style. Because <laughs> his, uh, his people need him. <laughs> yeah. My people need me. <laughs> I, uh, so that was how they handled this and then we also uh, that's not in this episode it's in the next one we also get the fastest origin story ever which is just the same origin yep. story yeah but we'll get to that when we talk about the next episode but so you know, so everyone's confused I do like the mystery surrounding it because yeah. Tachibana What's the cyclone doing? This it's on autopilot, and then he just takes a nap while it goes off. Right, to see how, that made me laugh a little bit. It's really yeah. the autopilot's so good you can nap on a motorcycle. Okay, 
yeah, that was that was really good. <laughs> um, so starting off with this episode, though, I want to go back to the beginning of this episode. We get an actual new intro. Uh, same song, but slightly different. I it's like, I feel like the song is different. I feel like the lyrics are a little bit different, and I think it was a different lyrics, recording. Yes, well, well, no, I, that's what I was going to get to. So it's the same song, a little bit different lyrics, updated lyrics, and it's not sung by the same person because for the first thirteen episodes, uh, it was uh, Fujioka, the the actor who played. Hongo, Takeshi Hongo, who was actually singing the intro. Uh, and now they have a different person. It's the same person who sang, sings the the outro, who always sang the, the closing song. Now he's oh, also mm -hmm. singing the intro. Which one do you prefer? Uh, I mean, I kind of have a soft spot for the for Fujioka's rendition because, you know, it's like just kind of ties back into the idea of this was a very low budget, very small production type thing of like, hey, we're just going to get the star to sing the song for us because we don't have the money to pay somebody else to do it. <laughs> yeah, I understand. that. I think I'm a little bit more partial to that as well, just because good grief. Ujioka was doing everything on the show. He sang the theme song. He's playing Hongo. He was wearing the common rider costume and breaking mm, his leg <laughs> you know and yeah and hardcore. <laughs> um we're also introduced to tachibana's new business he's no longer doing the snack bar which is the amigo bar uh yes. that he's had up to this point he is now opening a motorcycle club i guess which does continue on into future, uh, like I said, future Common Rider series, because I've, I've talked about how Tachibana continues on and is a mentor character for future Common uh, mm -hmm. Riders. Mm -hmm. So this it's nice that we're getting it. You will be pleased to know, Travis, that late one night while I was surfing YouTube, I came across a nearly one hour video essay that basically gave me a crash course in the entire history of the franchise. <laughs> nice. I learned a nice. little bit about all of that. I also was watching. It's like that exists. Can I watch it? Can I watch it in the U.S.? <laughs> I can. Adding to Henshin Men Master List. And also, our friend Elijah pointed me toward a few places to get some more of these shows. Technically, legally, just a little bit obscure. So, <laughs> yeah, Elijah's always got the connections. Yes. Uh, but we're also, so we're also introduced to not only Tachibana's new business, but uh, what I like to call Tobey's Angels, which are three women. Do we want to talk about this now or do we want to save it? Well, okay. They, they appear like fairly early on in the episode. So I think we should kind of go ahead and, uh, and get it out of the way. Yeah, Travis. I am biting my lower lip so hard right now. Oh, I'm not a fan. I'm like, yeah, really? You got rid of Ruriko and you replaced her with these three ditzes? <laughs> yeah. You are nothing, but these characters are nothing but window dressing. They do little to nothing other than, you know, it's just... I'm not a fan of these characters. They're just there to stand yeah. around, be 
stupid and look pretty. That's all they do. And there's yeah, very they, uh... little of ditziness with them. I can't remember what the one. Uh, there's 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 the one that. Like I, I don't think she's actually blonde, but she is. Just, she acts like the stereotypical dumb blonde, and yes, she has really bright clothes. Like, like there was a point I think I can't remember if it was this episode or the next episode where I was like, "Are you cosplaying as Homestar Runner, or are you just a fan of the Dallas Cowboys?" Because white shirt, blue star. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, they're they they're either a, they're they're interested in motorcycles, but only as uh, only as much as it gets them into the show, and then their interest in motorcycles seems to dissipate, um, which we can talk about in the next episode because they get worse. They get worse. They're introduced in this episode. They get worse in the next one. Oh, um, but yeah, yeah I no. just refer to the. I don't remember their names. I know one's Michi, one's something else. I, I can't remember their names. I just know, I just refer to them as Tobey's Angels because for some reason uh, they are obsessed with Tobey uh, Tachibana and uh, stay surrounded by him. And he's like Charlie from Charlie's Angels. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, hello, Tobey-san. <laughs> like, uh, no, so. I'm actually, here I am. I'm actually trying to look it up. Uh, oh, actually, according to Wikipedia, they have an official name. What's their name? They are called the Rider Girls. Oh yeah, so yeah, the Rider Girl, which just sounds really bad. <laughs> A little bit, but uh, the ones that we're seeing currently are Yuri, Mari, and Michi, and then there's going to be five more. <laughs> yeah, and it actually looks some of their little personality traits here, just so you can kind of keep them straight. Yeah, Yuri, who is a first-degree black belt in karate, which she never really uses. Mari, mm -hmm. who has experience in fencing, which she barely uses. She does something, Michi, so at least something. Yeah. Michi, who has experience in Aikido and is a small displacement writer. Yeah, the this uh, these characters don't get better. Um, I, I, I don't I, from memory they don't it get is, better. <laughs> this is a bad precedent because that's something I did want to talk about because we're in a new status quo now after episode thirteen. It's a major right. status quo shakeup here, and I don't know if I'm going to. Oh man, I'm probably going to start missing those first thirteen episodes a little bit. I know that. For what I understand from that video essay, that this shift in the show was part of, was actually part of what kept it going, or else it would have just stopped after thirteen. But I'm just like, really? Yeah, <sighs> Did yeah. See girl, that's what I'm gonna get for the next eighty plus episodes. Uh, well, okay. I will say this: the show does improve from these first two episodes but the these characters do not <laughs> they uh from memory they don't improve much but but the show does i i talk i'm going to talk about it probably in our uh minute to hinge in it but but this this because of such a big shakeup in the status quo the show is trying to find its footing again and mm -hmm they haven't found it yet. Not in these, not in these two episodes that we're covering in, in on this, this week where 
we're in a in a territory where they are still trying to figure out everything. Like they they had just got the formula, you know, really down packed with Hongo and Takeshi yeah, with Takeshi and Ruriko and all of them. And now because of the situation, they're having to kind of get their footing again and also they're being they they're they're getting more popular than what the show was expected i think and i especially with kids uh i mean this show is always meant for kids but the but kids are starting to take notice of the show and so then you're just like any other show now corporate is kind of stepping in and saying hey we need this we need that because we're trying to appeal to kids and trying to sell toys and trying to do this and that and mm-hmm. yeah, so 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 this this is a big turning point, and I won't say that the show stays like this forever. It does not. It, it does get yeah. better, but this mm-hmm. also is a very very poor representation of what Common Rider is. Yeah, I was gonna say probably not the best episodes to start people on. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, uh, if if. Uh, if you're not watching the show along with us and you're just listening to our podcast, if you do plan on watching the show at some point, you can watch these episodes. They are important and we will talk about some of the important points in the show uh, to the history of Common Rider. But at the same time, just know this is not this is not a good representation of the show and and this is not the place to start. Put it that way. This is not the place to start, like you said. You talked before about how the the first this was especially true in the first 13 episodes and it continued on into some of the later common writer media. But the 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 uh, the horror elements that were in there, that's kind of gone at this point. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's lighter now, which I don't have anything against, but it's just it's a huge shift at this point. And to be honest, as I was watching these two episodes, I was getting some serious seventies Godzilla vibes. I don't know about you. Yeah. And I think, I think it's kind of, it's the growing pains that come from just like we were talking about when you have the realization of, Oh, this is being marketed to kids. Uh, We need to change the tone because that's kind of what happened in the seventies with Godzilla. It's like, oh, kids like Godzilla. We need to appeal to kids more. And so then you had Son of Godzilla and Godzilla versus Megalon and, you know, stuff like that. Uh, it's kind of the same thing with this. Like like the first 13 episodes, they kind of were doing their own thing. They they yes, it was always meant to be a kids show, but they always they did have this more horror bend to it and i think a big part of that was ichinomori who is uh who was the original creator of common writer the person who came up with the idea uh and this point in time is also when uh, uh toei is stepping in and being like hey we need to sell more writer toys uh or the belts the belts were the big thing um can you not have characters drain the blood of innocent women (laughs) (laughs) or experiment on puppies. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, so I think that's, that also kind of ties into why there's a big shift in tone 
here is not just because they had to, you know, change the characters around because of what happened with Fujioka, but also I think this was the time when they stepped in and was like, hey, we, we need to make this more marketable because now it's no longer just this small budget thing that we're just throwing out there to see if it works. This is actually becoming a thing. Uh, we need to make this more marketable. And that's, yeah. So I, that that's what I, I, I'm, I, it seems that's what's happening. I think that's what happened without having actual confirmation from the creators and from the people in charge or people involved. We don't know for sure if that's what happened, but that's definitely what it feels like. Yeah. Yeah. I would almost want to say that our Kaijin of the week might've been inspired by that. But then I realized we had a pitcher plant man before. So I don't, think this is all that strange anymore because it's Cactogron, a cactus themed supervillain. Okay, but now he does he fits in with what we've seen before. Yeah, and apparently he's Mexican. Yeah. He's, he's, he's implication. He was uh he was in charge of the Mexican branch of uh of of uh, I was gonna say Hydra of Shocker. <laughs> Shocker uh, uh, <laughs> of Shydra, Shydra, Hawker. Now, on the positive side, uh, Cactagron looks great. Yeah, yeah, Cactagron looks. I wish good. his mouth was exposed, as I think with that, because his mask already look has a kind of a cowl shape to it, but he still has a covered mouth. So I wish that they had left the mouth exposed because I think that would have actually looked pretty nice. Yeah. Uh, I think it would have been better if it just wasn't pink. Uh, Cause then it just looks like he's sticking his tongue out the whole time. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> and in true video game, like goofy video game fashion, his weapon is a cactus club. Okay. So, I do kind of like the different things that he has as weapons. He has a kind of sword slash club that is cactus shaped that he kind of, I guess, grows out of his own body. Uh, supposedly, I guess. And, uh, and he also has probably the best weapons. The cactus bombs are what's known as the Mexican cactus flowers. Yes, which made me think of Mega Man because there, I would not be surprised. This is the kind of enemy that you would see, the kind of boss that you would see in a Mega Man game. It also, weirdly enough, with the bombs, made me think of the Green Goblin. And I don't know if that makes me a sane individual or not. <laughs> no, uh, no, that makes sense. Uh, I, I can no, see that. My thing, my thing is, is I get it. They explode, but. You would also think they would shoot off the barbs like shrapnel as they explode for extra damage. But no, no, no. The barbs are the tripwire. <laughs> ah, yeah. Apparently they're the trigger, which is. And then we have this, the scene at the end of the episode, the set piece, I should say, where there's this field of the fakest looking cacti you've ever seen. And apparently if you touch the cacti, they explode. And I'm like, well, I see where this is going. There's going to be a fight scene here. And these suddenly luchador style shocker goons are all going to get thrown into the exploding cacti. <laughs> and it's funny you say luchador because that actually was the inspiration for the masks for the shocker goons in this, oh, yeah. this episode. It's a little odd. Because, uh, 
Yeah, because because he's they're they're coming from they're they're being shipped in from Mexico essentially. So uh, yeah, they uh, kind of Chopper's got a base apparently, and seems the implication seems to be they have a base of operations in every country in the world, which admittedly is mildly terrifying. <laughs> there's a there's a a North American branch, there's a European branch, and then there's uh, and we know there's the Japanese branch. I can't remember. Where, the other branches but i we did they did list out a couple of them uh mm-hmm. a few episodes back and uh and we know that they are all over the world because i mean you find out is in this episode or next episode that you find out that uh the reason why hongo isn't here anymore is because oh, he funny. has gone off Okay, yeah, he's gone off to other countries to fight Shocker in other lands, not just in Japan. So that's where he's at. And Ruriko went with Yeah, and Ruriko went with mm-hmm. him. So apparently she knows he's common Rider now. That seems to be the implication. I I cannot remember when he does come back uh, if Ruriko comes back, which is really bad. I cannot remember that. I don't know about Ruriko, but I, for what I remember from that video essay... Hongo comes back around episode 40. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know he comes. I know when he comes back, but I can't remember if Ruriko comes back with him. Um, but I would be really surprised if they didn't uh, have her know that he was Common Rider, because that is kind of weird that she's been traveling all over the country or all not the country, all over the world uh, with him and not know yeah. <laughs> that he's Common Rider. But you never know with with these superhero logic things. Yeah, basically. But we sh- need to talk about before we move on to the next episode. We have to talk about the um, the most important new character, that being Hayato, or uh, uh, KR2, the new common Rider. Yes, uh, he's really different from Hongo. He's a much he's a lighter character. He's not nearly as burdened and dark and brooding as Hongo was. He's a photographer, right? And the uh, I won't talk about his origin because we don't get it until the next episode. But he's our new writer. He has a slightly different costume. And I have to admit, the more I look at mm-hmm. it, the more I think I actually like his writer costume more than Hongo's. I feel a little bit bad saying that. And the modifications are slight, but they really do make the com- they make Common Rider too stick out a little bit more. It looks a bit more polished. It's got a, a little bit more color to it, kind of accenting it. Yeah. The there's some there's some accents there's some different differing uh differences in colors there's the, the white uh stripe down the center of the mask yeah. is more bright and pronounced mm-hmm. um his gloves are a different color and his but the big thing that always gets me about the common rider 2 and the reason why i never liked the common rider 2 costume as much as i like the first one is the scarf the scarf is now just basically an ascot <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay i'll give you that common rider one had a bigger scarf that was that ha- that would uh do more things it was a little bit more of a flourish but yeah in this one it's yeah it's kind of an ass yeah well because the, the scarf the scarf on it kind of gave you the the feeling of a cape without having an actual cape whereas yeah. in common rider two it he, it's just there as basically a color uh color accent and that's it it's not like there's nothing to it yeah which is unfortunate because that's one of the defining marks of this design of the of the common rider design at least the original is the scarf Mm -hmm. 
and it looks yeah. really nice, you know, because it's flapping in the wind when he's riding this motorcycle. And yeah, so I get with it. That's the one that Mark I'll hold against it. But more importantly, I mean, we can debate the costume all we want, but Hayato introduces the the common writer tropes that I've been waiting for for fourteen episodes. Because <laughs> 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 now we're getting even more posing as Hongo posed. We're getting even more poses, and now we're finally getting Henshin. <laughs> <laughs> yes yes so so for anybody who may not remember or is just tuning into our podcast so so the first common writer hongo takeshi hongo he needed to turn the turbine in his belt to power up and turn into common writer so he would do his little action poses and stuff but he would always have to like jump on his motorcycle or do a flip or something to get that turbine turning with Hayato, we're getting where he doesn't have to do that. He just poses and says Henshin and then transforms into mm-hmm. the, the, the common rider. Turbine and which still spins, but he doesn't it still need spins, but it doesn't have to spin. Yeah. Uh it kind of spins as like a as like a a, a side effect of him transforming, not yeah. what causes him to transform. Although he does have he does have to do a jump and a flip, and I'm like is that just to make this look cool, or do you have to do that? <laughs> yeah, but and and the but the henshin pose is like such a big part of the henshin kind of tokusatsu superhero Japanese superhero yeah. trope because you see it in everything. You see it in Ultraman. You see it in in uh, Super Sentai. You see it in all of these different ones and and it's just like that is such a big part of the trope and yeah we're finally getting that yeah Yeah. although i have to say i have to say super sentai and power rangers took it to a whole other level (laughs) oh oh you trust me common writer does too oh i'm sure it does you know which is i just think like like super sentai just goes to a whole other place like posing and all of the stuff. Yeah, that is a huge staple of Super Sentai. Not quite as much in Ultraman, admittedly. <laughs> All but the Ultraman it, have one standard henshin pose. but <laughs> Right. And, but it becomes a, a part of Super Sentai because of Kamen Rider, because of the popularity of Kamen Rider. Uh, because up to this point, at this point in time, in 1971... In uh, in in Super Sentai timeline, we're in between. What is it? I forget which one comes right before. It might be Jack, uh, JK, JKQ, or whatever that that one is. And but we're we're we haven't gotten Battle Fever J yet. Mm-hmm. And Battle Fever J is kind of where the turning point is for Super Sentai. And and Battle Fever J was a response to Japanese Spider-Man and also Kamen Rider, even though it was produced by the same company. But it was just like Mm -hmm. it was a response to the popularity of Kamen Rider Mm -hmm. and the Japanese uh, Spider-Man. And Battle Fever J... They do their poses, but they still have to put their costumes on. They're not, they don't transform into their costumes. They actually oh, really? have to carry them. Yeah, they have to carry them and actually put them on. So there is a transition period in Super Sentai where you go from, yeah, these are just people putting on a costume to Henshin. And then they do this real epic, you know, 
transformation and posing and, and everything. And, and that's when it, you know, so, so we're in that transition period for Super Sentai. And a big part of that is coming from Kamen Rider. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why I've been waiting for it this whole time, because I didn't realize it took them a while to get it. I thought it was there from the beginning. I was clearly wrong. Nope. Nope. Uh, it, it, no. And that's like the giant robots thing uh, in, in Super Sentai. You know, it's very popular. You know, anybody who knows Power Rangers knows the Zords and the Megazord. Mm-hmm. That wasn't part of Super Sentai originally. That, that Which, didn't by, the come way, as we're, by the way, as we're recording this, it is Power Rangers Day. So happy late Power Rangers Day to all of you <laughs> heroes of the Internet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so so I, I, it's just one of those things. It, while Common Rider didn't invent the Henshin pose transformation thing, it definitely played a part in popularizing it in other series. But it definitely existed. Mm-hmm. But I'm just like, yeah, yeah, it's I'm so glad that we're finally getting to that point in this the history of this show that we're finally getting the the actual Henshin that you might think of when you think of these Japanese superheroes. One thing that I wanted to talk about with the transformation though, is it is much, it's much flashier in mm-hmm. uh, this time around than, than what Hongo's is, but I didn't really care for it as much. It's, you know, it's flashier because you get this like big animation of like a, a starburst and, and mm-hmm. he disappears and it's just like energy just flies out. And then he, you know, you see him as, as, common writer whereas with hongo with takeshi hongo's transformations you you saw him jump on the motorcycle and he kind of faded in it was kind of this cross fade uh almost like animated or or uh, almost like rotoscoped uh design and, and so while this one is definitely flashier and probably easier to recreate for multiple episodes which is why they did it i like mm-hmm. takeshi's transformation much better Mm-hmm. Which again is something that we're you know, you'll see in a lot of Henshin Hero shows after this because they basically have one standard transformation sequence and then they just stick to it. Anime did did the same mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Well, I, what I mean is is that most Henshin Hero shows just recycle their transformation sequence and then get the uh, I would say it's like that probably in the Showa era. But when you get into the Heisei and the Neo Heisei, which is kind of the you know more modern era, like a few just a few years ago, uh, no, the Henshin transformations for especially for the Common Rider, the more modern Common Rider series, are unique and different each time. Well, okay. And I, I, get I, I get what you mean by that. I guess watching a lot of power Rangers lately and that's just, yeah. Big... Yeah. So now power Rangers did recycle it um, there. You know, super Sentai does recycle it sometimes and depending on the series and Ultraman will tend to recycle the transformation uh, scene for, for, you know, for the Ultraman and in all of their different ones. Uh, so, so those series will, but, but one, that's what I love about Common Rider is Common Rider does things different. And, and I, I was, I've been watching a lot of zero one, which is the first in the Rewa era, which is the, you know, just was like 2019 was the start of the mm-hmm. Rewa era in Japan. So it's like, mm-hmm. it was 2019 when the show, when zero one came out 
And the transformations, the henshins in that are absolutely bonkers and nuts. And I love them. I oh, love. Yeah. Is that the one that you oh, sent man. me? Videos and you're like, he literally yes. forms by punching a bullet. <laughs> hey, one of them transforms by punching a bullet out of the air. It is the craziest thing. And, and they, some of them transform by giant mechanized animals just grabbing them and then forming their armor around them and like like the, there's so many creative things that they do with common rider in future series i won't say every common rider series is great and is is like a masterpiece but there is there is something that i love about common rider and it's the creativity that they bring into it you don't get as much creativity in my opinion in Ultraman. And that's why I'm just not as big of a fan. Even though I like Ultraman, I'm not as big of a fan of Ultraman as I am of Common Rider because Common Rider is just, you know, there's each series reinvents itself. It brings a creativity. It does something different. It does something unique. The the henshins are different. The henshins are unique. All of this kind of stuff. And and so yeah, I will always love Common Rider more than than uh Ultraman. And even Super Sentai. I can but tell. But that's a side note. <laughs> <laughs> that that was that was Travis speaking the gospel of Common Writer for a few minutes. Um, <laughs> and I guess that's I, I, a preach it. I mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Hallelujah. Um, so that's a good point. Hinchin Hinchin Luya. We might want to stop before uh, we get smote uh, suddenly for our heresy. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's a good point to transition into our next episode. Transition! Cactogron strikes back! Gyokushu Cactogron! The origins of Hayato Ichimunji are revealed as Cactogron hatches a plot to destroy the Kamen Rider and all who stand in the way of Shocker. Travis, we got a problem with these episode titles again, because now, once again, the subtitles don't agree with the Tubi and Shout Factory TV listings. Yeah. So we have Cactogron, but... The listings for the streaming call him Sabatogron. Yeah, almost like a sabotage gron, something yeah. like that. Uh, it is yeah. interesting. I was paying attention to the Japanese being spoken, and most of the time they do refer to the monster as Cactogron, but there is one moment in the episode that I could hear where they did refer to him as the the other name. And I don't have an explanation for it. I really don't have an explanation for these uh the differences in the different episode titles and and how they're how they're translated. <laughs> it's just really bizarre. It's like two different sets of people worked on the translations and nobody checked for consistency. Right. Yeah. It's just really bizarre. Anyway, that little pet peeve of mine out of the way. This episode starts with a very quick recap of the preview you know, previously on Common Rider, and also we get the fastest origin story ever. 
for Hayato, which is basically well, the same. The way. Yeah, which is basically the same as Hongo's, except, and this is actually something I really appreciate in Master Rider the First, because they actually use this more so in the plot, which is Hayato was made into a second common Rider by Shocker to beat Hongo, but Hongo saved him before they could do that. Right. So he was basically made as an anti-Hongo weapon. Mm-hmm. But in the show, Hongo keeps that from happening. And Master Rider the first, he's uh, Hayato is actually working with Shocker for a little while, and then Hongo breaks him of their control, and then they team up at the end. So it's a right. little bit different. Yeah. But no, admittedly, it, well, this feels almost, it's a little bit of a missed opportunity, but I'm guessing what they were doing is like, okay, we got to get an origin out of the way super fast. Because we weren't planning on this initially. <laughs> so here you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, they had to do what they had to do. And plus, this was also the time period where Origins did go by pretty fast. I mean, even the first Common Rider's Origin was the first episode and that was it. Uh, but yeah. I I do like, and, and a big part of this is Ichinomori, the, the manga writer who created the idea of common writer kind of came up with the idea of common writer for toei his hit one of his tropes that he likes to include in all of his stories and all of his his uh creations is the idea that the hero is connected to the villain in some way um which mm-hmm. is all yeah you know, we also see a lot in in american comics you know with with uh spider-man and a lot of the marvel characters tend to have the villains mm-hmm. be connected to the the hero in some way uh and and so having the hero this new hero be someone who was initially created by the villain to hunt down and destroy the original common rider but then is saved and so he owes Takeshi, you know, owes a lot to Takeshi. And so Takeshi asks him to fill in for him as Kamen Rider while he's while he's gone. I I think that's a really Mm -hmm. great story. Uh, Yeah, we don't it doesn't play out necessarily that well on film, because like we said, they kind of rushed it. But I still the idea, like you said, the idea is there and the way they do it in future reboots and remakes is is really great. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So yeah, we got that out of the way. So now we've, by this episode, we have firmly established the new status quo, but now we got to deal with Cactogron and his evil plot and his, apparently his superpower to create slow-mo fight scenes. Okay. Yeah. That that I, I did want to talk about the <laughs> slow-mo fight scenes. So we did we got we didn't it didn't seem like we got that that much in, during the like uh fujioka time period in the first 13 episodes or first you know uh what was it 11 episodes that he actually filmed uh mm-hmm. they the the fights were yeah of course they were choreographed and yes that you could tell that the punches weren't landing and stuff but they, they had depending on how how they shot it yeah but yeah yeah but they had an energy behind them that i liked whereas this they slowed it down and they they kind of they they definitely filmed it in slow-mo and oh man these fight scenes just have no energy to them at all well it's it's when it's when kr2 and cactogron are fighting when he's fighting the goons it's fine 
Right. Well, yeah, yeah. I guess, yeah, when he's fighting the goons, they're okay. But, but yeah, when he's fighting Cactagron, everything slows down. And it's a slow-mo filming that is just so, uh, it's it's so so bad to me i i really just i really don't like it and i hate saying coming out and just saying that's bad when doing this because you know as much as i love common writer i don't want to say it's bad but it's bad it's really bad yeah, well and i think they figured it out because i've watched ahead and they don't do that in the next two episodes right i've watched yes. two episodes <laughs> yes. Yeah. They, like I said, like I said earlier in, in this in this week's episode of the podcast, this is them finding their footing and they do find their footing. I know that I've watched it. I've, I've seen the series ahead and I know that they they do find their footing and things do get better. But in these two that we're watching, man, it, it's just so, so terrible The I think that I do like Taki. I like talking. I mean, I liked Taki when he was first introduced. I like, I like the character. I also like that he gets some time to actually be an FBI agent and like do some actual investigation. Uh, we see him actually being an FBI agent, uh, which is kind of cool. But when he's in a fight scene, everything's shot in normal frames. So his fight scenes are way more energetic and exciting than the common writer mm -hmm. ones. Well, that's why I'm telling you, I think it's Cactagron. I think that's just one of his superpowers. Apparently, he has the power of slow-mo fighting. He has the power of slow-mo fighting and the power to grow cactus balls. <laughs> uh, because when... When he's fighting in that final fight, uh, he's not only got his cactus club, there's some dangling cactus balls <laughs> hanging, but they're, but they're not hanging where you might be thinking, listener. Um, they're hanging right on his chest, so they look like cactus boobs. <laughs> it's Bee Woman all over again, isn't it? He looks like he has lopsided cactus boobs. On his chest, and I, it is. How did I not notice this? I guess I was thinking about some of the other goofy things that were in this episode. I was not thinking about the cactus poop. Oh, yeah. so many jokes, jokes that I have to keep it. Paint J. Dang it. Oh, oh. <laughs> so mm. yeah, that's um. So that's talking about mm. that. Now, I I like Taki. And I think Taki is the best side character that we have now that Ruriko's gone. Uh, I do like Hayato uh, as as a as a new common writer. He's not like you said. He's not the same as as Takeshi. He is very different. He doesn't feel as burdened by his responsibility as as you know Takeshi is. But he's mm -hmm. still a great. I think he's a. He's, uh, it's just like I said. He's more a Robin than he is a Batman. Yeah, well, actually, I even feel like he's more like a Miles Morales Spider-Man versus a Peter Parker Spider-Man. Ah, okay. Actually, like, that like, would make sense. Yeah, like, like really, he feels like he he has responsibility to be a hero, but he's not, like, burdened by the responsibility the way that <laughs> Peter Parker that is. That is true, and he does actually get have one of my Kaminacha uh, uh, awards actually ah, well which we will talk about in just a few minutes yeah. but i do want to say 
of all the side characters, and we talked about Tobey's angels in the last bit, the first half of this episode, <laughs> the worst downgrade of this these two episodes coming from the the Takeshi Hongo period to now is Tachibana, because I. Uh, everybody yeah. knows I love Tachibana. I love the mentor character, and he is downgraded in these two episodes. Now, I, I again, I'm going to say it does get better. I know it does, but we're talking about just these two episodes. And in these two episodes, he is terrible. He is bumbling. He's less heroic. He's more cowardly. He's just like, I don't know what happened to him that made him so much worse he's just terrible in these two episodes yeah he spends a lot of time complaining about the goofy girls hanging the writer girls hanging around and mm -hmm. uh, uh yeah such a uh i mean there's there is i, I want to make it clear there's a lot of things to like in these two episodes but going from those first 13 to this uh, this is a rough transition <laughs> it's yeah. a really rough transition it really and is. there's a lot of things and I'm like, I don't like this. I'll keep watching. It's not so bad that I would quit watching, but yeah, rough transition. Hmm. Yeah. And we're not, and, and we're not really covering much of a, of the actual plot to this episode because I mean, the plot is just kind of incidental, you know, like they're, they're trying to find the shocker headquarters, Cactagron's trying to set up bombs and blow up a dam, um, you know, like, which actually, uh, we didn't bring this up in the last episode, but they had, they actually had some, they don't do it very often in these, uh, in these TV shows, but they had some actual miniature tokusatsu. Yeah. They had a dam that exploded. Yeah. Yeah. They did. They actually had some miniature work. But again, you're talking about the shocker base. Uh, Shockers once again proving that they are the worst secret society ever because they have an underground base with official security and a huge statue marking it. Yeah, yeah. It's not very hidden. Yeah, nice, uh, nice job, guys. I see why just, you haven't conquered the world yet. Just put a big sign, just big billboard, shocker base here. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And those shocker goons are even more conspicuous. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, one thing that you mentioned a few episodes back, but that you've always wondered about is because we have different colors uh, to the shocker goons costume. Some of them are red. Some of them are just black. Uh, and you always you had asked if they had uh, different rankings, if they were like different rankings to them and we get an answer an official canon answer it's true it's true i called it because because uh it was taki yeah taki, taki beats up sneaks in so he can get in on the ooh the secret meeting and then they're like you're not high enough rank to be here. It's like, ah, darn it. You have different divisions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're like, yeah, hey, wait, you're just a guard. You're not a superior officer. Why are why are you here? <laughs> but I love that they figure that out after they tell him their whole plan. <laughs> Which well, is just like was, my, my first thought when that was happening, I was like, see, this is the problem with having masked henchmen. You know, it's the same thing if you yep. have henchmen that wear helmets. You know, that's why Luke, uh, Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, and Han Solo could sneak onto the Death Star disguised as stormtroopers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's because you can't see their faces. 
Aren't you a little short to be a, a shocker goon? <laughs> yeah, a little short to be a goon. Um, yeah, no, that was I, – I like that because uh, one of the things I, I've always talked about with Takeshi is I always like when he uses his brains, uh, not just his brute strength. And Taki is one of those ones, even though we've already established Taki has some kind of superpowers, <laughs> whether they want to admit it on the show or not. Uh, but uh- – that he is one tough mother because he took the rider kick. If you survive the rider kick, you got something going on. He even survived getting hit with the rider kick and then hitting one of his own exploding cacti. Yep. Yeah. But no, I, I, what I was what I was going to say about Taki's uh, Taki sneaking into the base though is it, it did bring back the memory of a few episodes ago where where um, Hongo had sn- snuck into one of the shocker bases and disguised as one of the goons. And so it kind of brought me back to that. But then we get the moment where they realize that he's, he's a spy or, or just someone who snuck in. They go to take him to the prison cell. And this is probably going to be in one, in some of our awards, but I don't care. I want to mention it. Suddenly one of the goons starts punching the other goons and Taki's like, wait, what what's going on the goon goes to take off his mask and lo and behold it's common rider it's not hayato <laughs> it's not him in his civilian form it's him fully dressed as common rider who somehow was disguised as a what <laughs> magic mask actually i'm gonna go down what did i have for for that award i want to double check actually what that I i'm have. pretty sure well i definitely have it as my award i had something different but you have that one so we're gonna I, that needs to be mentioned because that is a little bit what <laughs> how did yeah what so and the sad thing <laughs> is this the first time this won't be the last time that it happens because again i've watched ahead I know, but it's so funny that they like it, it's just because the shocker goons are just guys wearing, like you said, luchador masks, but they're wearing just like basically black onesies, and that's it. Or red, and, or or you know, or black or red spandex. And so when he takes his mask off, and then suddenly he's the fully decked out common rider with the common rider helmet on. Like somehow the common rider helmet was underneath the luchador mask. <laughs> like, what? Many questions. <laughs> it's it's like that meme of uh, Val Kilmer from Batman Forever. It just raises too many questions. <laughs> It just raises too many questions. Yeah, well, and also, goons are in this are revealed to all be cyborgs, so I guess they're all kaijin. They all suck. I. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's yeah. even a scene where Tobey's angels beat up a couple of them with a stick. Yeah, yeah. I, I that's another reason Shocker hasn't taken over the world. Their henchmen are idiots. <laughs> That scene is also the return of one of your favorite, uh, I would say, common Rider characters. Let's call it a character. Uh, a returning character, which is the Shocker Boomerangs. Yes, the Boomerang. So now they don't throw them. They use them like swords. <laughs> right. But yeah, yeah, I did make the gif. I made the gif. I promised you a, a gif listeners on on twitter and on the show and i made it 
<laughs> boomerangs yep. but uh yeah now they don't throw them right no they just they just wave them around at at girls uh so this yeah this episode is a big step down from yeah. what we've had what, even from the previous episode they uh they the one shocker they captured and he doesn't do anything that had to be the easiest acting job ever can you imagine that guy he comes to work right he gets the costume on it's like okay he's all fired up because he's like okay i'm gonna go you know i'm gonna go beat up comrade what am i doing today and there's like sit and stare oh i still get paid for that right <laughs> 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 because apparently that's how they can their goons can be captured and they never reveal anything because they're all cyborgs so they're programmed not to talk i guess i'm confused but yeah so so that that was something because previously they've talked about upgrading shocker people into shocker goons but it always seemed like they were more just brainwashed and then the the cyborg stuff was saved for your generals like your cobra mans or your your bee woman um now yeah they've kind of established they're all cyborgs but they don't have any kind of special powers other than the boomerangs so i don't know and and yeah it, it's 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 really really weird um i do like that you have in your notes and i'm looking at it here the one side character that doesn't get enough love and i'm going to give him some love now <laughs> which is is it is it shin what what is his name he's the shiro. he was the shiro. shiro shiro uh who was so scared of being turned into a janitor cyborg <laughs> <laughs> i'm saving that for the awards he i had so okay. for common atcha and he actually had one of them I'm like congratulations you're a bit you're a dork and a bit annoying but you got on the list <laughs> Yes, he he was the he was kind of the bartender at the snack bar, and now yeah. he's kind of the he's he's Tachibana's assistant, uh, and but he's also the he's the dopey guy who everyone picks on because he is so derp, dopey, but he's mm -hmm. also kind of funny. He he reminds me a lot of um, of and, and I guess because this character is in my head just because of recent news that's that we've had which is Ide from from the original Ultraman yeah. you know he's kind of the dopey one but also he he's and everybody picks on him but he's got a heart of gold and I, and I kind of just like him for it yeah uh yeah so anything else for this episode that you want to you want to highlight uh there was a point when uh at the end when Cactogron tells common rider to come fight him after he starts blowing stuff up at the base and he says come at me and i wrote you forgot bro <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that would have made my day if they if this was made now i would have loved to have seen a shocker uh, a shocker general or whatever <laughs> run at common rider say come at me bro <laughs> right <laughs> no it would happen you know it would happen <laughs> Also is uh is Raida Power. Does that give him a power up or something? Or is, just, or is he just saying that because it's cool? <laughs> I I it, it goes back to there's writer in front of everything. Uh yeah, <laughs> apparently the writer jump is a Smash Brothers style double jump in midair. <laughs> right, right, yeah. He's already halfway through jumping. Yeah, and now suddenly I want common writer and Smash Brothers. <laughs> Oh man, 
Oh, Can you man. imagine how cool we that get... would be? Like he does the double jump. Uh, he says, "Why not jump?" <laughs> well, we got That's characters cool. who are very similar to Common Rider in Smash Bros. already. So, <laughs> but still, it would be so cool. You know, you push down and special, and it's why not kick. Imagine, imagine your like your character is let's say Takeshi Hongo because that's the, you know the original one, uh, and then you just like with uh, Zelda and Sheik, and you do a special move, and you just transform, you you Henshin, uh, and you turn into Common Rider. That would be so cool. Oh, that would be great too. You could switch around. What would his final smash be? Would it just be a really ridiculous Rider kick? <laughs> yeah just absolutely just rider kick oh man if they if they went no, with a different if they yeah, went with like like he gets the motorcycle and he rides the motorcycle he jumps off the motorcycle and does a rider kick and the motor and then yeah. the motorcycle too like or something <laughs> <laughs> just i was thinking man wouldn't it be cool if it was like instead of it being takeshi hongo the original comrade if it was like the newest one and when he does his final smash all of the common writers like oh, come in like and they just all kick yeah they all just kick Mega at Man, one like, time a and a bunch of other common writers and they all do the writer kick oh that would be great <laughs> yeah yeah it was, oh. it was really cool all right okay i think we've had enough fun goofing around like that <laughs> yes so now it's time for our awards all righty so now we're getting into the henshin man awards uh, we have several different categories of that starting with the henshin kick award which is for the best stunt or action sequence so what do you have for us today travis there is a moment in and it's a it's a blink and you miss it type moment which is my favorite ones because i'm always coming up with these blink and you miss it moments for this award uh where taki is sneaking into the into the uh shocker base and he has to hang off the side of a bridge to avoid being seen this is in a time period before like special like uh, uh visual effects this is a, a time period where they definitely didn't have the budget to rebuild that bridge and put a and put safety nets underneath it and and blue screen he actually ha hung off the side of that bridge mm -hmm. and i mentioned it before that my awards are for this award for for action scenes and stuff and stunts are always going to be given to the actual stunt work because i think the stunt work needs to be highlighted more because yes they a lot of it is special effects and in-camera tricks but there are moments where they are actually putting their bodies and their lives on the line to get mm -hmm. a good shot or a scene and this was a moment where it's like yeah i can definitely see him just hanging there without any kind of safety equipment because they needed this shot and they couldn't afford any safety equipment <laughs> yeah that's actually very true i wish i had paid more attention to that uh my nominee for this week uh, goes to it's not called this in my notes well it's called this earlier in my notes but i call it the rida entrance because it's the first time <laughs> we see kr2 when he makes his epic entrance he's standing in a tree and he jumps out of the tree and he saves a couple of the other characters from cactagron so yeah when they're fighting down by the creek nice introduction to our new hero and now for our next door, we have Talkin' Toku, which goes to the best special effect, because that's what tokusatsu means, special filmmaking. So what do you yes. got for us, Travis? So 
I this was the one that I had the hardest time coming up with because I didn't like a lot of the tokusatsu in these episodes. There was a lot of the tokusatsu that felt very underwhelming. You know, and yes, we always give it the we always give it the 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 pass of the hall pass of it being from the time period. Yes, things are not as good as what they would be in the modern uh sense, but even in the context of this being from the time period and being very low budget, I still didn't like a lot of the special effects. So I'm going to go with the, and it's the same one that you have, which is Mm -hmm. the, the dam at the beginning that's shown that's supposed to be in Mexico. uh, Mm -hmm. That, that is uh, that's an actual miniature work. And I like how you brought out earlier. We don't get a lot of miniature work in the show again, because of the budget, uh, but when it does happen, it is nice to see because as both of us being Godzilla fans and giant monster fans, we're used to seeing miniatures in these Japanese properties. So having a series that's not built around miniature sets when we do get it, it's just a nice little surprise. Yes, most definitely. And my runner up uh, in my award for this week for this is the Kakagron costume because actually... Even though the concept of a cactus-themed supervillain's a little wacky, the costume actually looks pretty good. Uh, closed mouth, notwithstanding. The cactus-themed uh, monster in Power Rangers slash Zhu Ranger uh, was much better than than the the one that we get in this series. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but it kind of wins because of how nutty it is. All right, so now we're going to comment at you, and I actually have two runners up because there were just so many good lines. I will admit, I as even though these were a step down from the previous episodes, I, there were some zingers. There were some good zingers in this. So, but what do you have for us first? Uh, I like the um, early on in the first episode that we covered, uh, episode fourteen where they were like, it's a shocker monster. And Tachibana's like, well, obviously. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. I love I, that moment. Cause like, what else would it be? It's a giant I, cactus man. I, yeah, seriously, what else would it be? Now, one of my runners up, cause you have to, we've brought it up already, but it's in Shin. Cause we finally get it. So I have to put that on there. But I know that's going to be a recurring line, so that's why I just made it a runner-up. I almost, I confess to you, I almost went with this exchange between Hayato and Tachibana. Tachibana says, "Who? just who are you? And Hayato replies with, enemy of shocker and friend to humanity. (laughs) (laughs) So it's a nice introduction. Uh, It sounds pretty B.A., but no, I ended up going with little Shiro. Because there's a point where he thinks Shocker goons are coming in. Because they just had a conversation about how if Shocker ever caught him, they turn him into a cyborg. And I think was it was it one of the girls or something or Tachibana? I can't remember. Said that oh they'll just turn you into a janitor or something like that. Right. He's not good enough to be an actual like like goon. He would just be yeah. one of the janitors. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then he thinks that Shocker is actually coming in to get him and he starts praying. He's like, oh God, they're coming to make me a janitor cyborg. <laughs> just make me laugh. <laughs> just the whole concept of, of, of Shocker capturing him and they're like, oh, we can't do anything with him. Hey, he can clean the hallway. <laughs> 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, anyway, and now to my favorite award, WTH, what the head should? And uh, you've, you've talked about it already, but remind our listeners, <laughs> what did you have? Yeah, yeah. The the writer, common writer revealing that he was actually disguised as the Shocker Goon. I mentioned it and and I just the the logic behind it is on the level of when common rider jumped out of the casket in a, a few episodes back that we love so much because it's just such a mind melting kind of logic now it's that is still this is still not as crazy as the casket i'm sorry <laughs> ah yeah no yeah the casket was still kind of just because you don't expect it with the casket like the casket was just out completely out of nowhere this is this is not out of nowhere it's just kind of like wait what <laughs> yeah yeah now mine is actually f- pretty close to that one but it was at the beginning of that which is there's a point where taki ju- uh, jumps a shocker goon who's standing guard at the obviously marked base. And it turns out that the guy he jumped is a dummy. And I'm thinking, yeah. wait, that was moving and it's a dummy. <laughs> Why do they have a dummy guarding the bay? <laughs> How was it moving at just, it, what? <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why is it here? Shocker. It's, it's, shocker. I can't. This is why you haven't taken over the world yet. <laughs> Your tactics make no sense. It's such a weird moment. It it, it really is. It just, oh man, there's so many weird moments in the in these shows. These these Japanese shows are so bizarre and and weird. And that's yeah, that's up there of just and, and it's so funny because it's they they're really aggressive with it. Yeah, I, I just what did the stunt man just not come into work that day? So they're like, well, we can't have him get knocked over and actually have you punch him to knock him out. So we're just gonna get one of our dummy props and put the costume on it. Why? I don't understand. <laughs> oh man! Put a, I don't know. Grab some random dude on the set, put him in a costume, and just say, "Hey, pretend to get punched." I, <laughs> I, okay it, it was to it was to show that shocker was one step ahead of them that they already knew they were on their way there right they're playing like 13d chess right mm-hmm. yeah that's that's my that's that's my no prize explanation <laughs> 13d chess <laughs> No, I, I was just yeah that they that they were they were aware that he was they were on their way so that's what that why it was a oh, yeah, why it yeah. Was a they were so aware that he was coming that they don't figure out that he's disguised as one of their henchmen until they reveal their evil plan right <laughs> the Incredibles taught if the Incredibles taught us anything it's they love those monologues <laughs> yep yep got a monologue speaking of monologues. Are we ready to get to minute to henshin it? Let's do it. In this segment, listeners, we give our final thoughts on these episodes in one minute or less. Except I need to find my phone for my timer. <laughs> Hold on a second. <laughs> 
go, go, Kamen Rider. Go, go, Kamen Rider. All right. All right, Travis. At your mark. Get set. Hin Shin. All right. Uh, so, yeah, the these episodes are not without their merit. They definitely have some fun entertainment. Uh, there's definitely some moments that are, that'll, you know, make you laugh, you know, and, and make you excited. But overall, these two episodes are probably... Uh, probably two of the worst out of the entire series. And that's, you know, coming from someone who's watched ahead, has seen what's coming. These are two of probably the worst ones. Uh, And yeah. And a lot of it is just the growing pains, the growing pains of they're becoming more popular. So they're having to appeal to a um, bigger audience. They're having to become more marketable. They're dealing with the fact that, uh, that Fujioka has left. So yeah, there's a lot of growing pains and these episodes are not the best representation of the series, but thankfully the series does find its footing and does get better. (laughs) I tried to actually use my full minute because I've been lately, I've been coming under time. So I was trying to use my full minute. We'll cut you some slack. You've been banking your extra time and (laughs) I really, I'm really starting to feel like I'm in an episode of the drift space right now. It was just like time. And then you have to, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> all right, here I go. So the thing is, you kind of stole a little bit of my thunder, Travis. You brought up a lot of things that I would have brought up, brought up, which is that this is definitely the show in transition. It's a rough transition. I really do hope it gets better. I like Hayato. I'm disappointed with Tachibana. Not a fan of the writer girls, Tobe's angels, whatever you want to call them. Uh, Shocker is getting weirdly incompetent more than usual now, but I, you know, I'm trusting you. I am trusting you, Travis, that this is not indicative of where the rest of the show is going. This is just growing pains and everything is just going to go uphill from here. And I'm banking my extra 10 seconds there. So I'm you this week, Travis. (laughs) (laughs) I'm finishing early now. Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Henshin Man. And we want to say thank you for listening to this podcast. A tokusatsu appreciation podcast is what we are. You can find links to all of our social media in the description of this episode. You can listen to more of me on the Kaiju Weekly podcast and listen to more of Nathan on the Monster Island Film Vault. If you found some enjoyment from this podcast, consider giving us a five-star rating on iTunes. And please do that because we are really itching for some more five-star reviews. I'm just saying. Yes, Yes, we are. And we will read them out on the podcast if you give us a five-star review. So please do it. And until next time, Nathan, what are we going to say? Have you heard about David Lynch's new toku show, Henshin Peaks? Oh, my.